Are you surprised or disappointed at how many of our coworkers we had to A, teach how to wash their hands and B, seem to have forgotten how to do that? Definitely more surprised. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Overrun Podcast. My name is Ed Bowder. I'm Dan Schwester. And today we have Kate Bergen back on the show. She is a paramedic extraordinaire, uh, mother, wife, artist, does all the, does all the things. She was on the show uh, back in 2020, and we talked about how mental health is uh, not prioritized enough, especially in the setting of a pandemic. So welcome back, Kate. Thank you for having me. So you have been uh, you've been a busy little bee since we had you a couple <laughs> years ago. Um, short, shortly after we had you on the show, uh, you kind of you went out and saw the world and uh, helped inspire people with the art that you were making and uh, focusing on mental health. So catch us up on what you've been up to. So since since we last talked, um, I have been on a number of um, new shows, including Good Morning America. I uh, was on a magazine cover. I had some of my work in the National EMS Museum, as well as the Atlanta History Center, which is another museum. Um, I was nominated for several awards, including Paramedic of the Year, both nationally and state level. And I won the EMS 10 Award uh, for 2020 um, for being one of the 10 people in our country, in our field, that thought outside the box and contributed something different to EMS. Um, and since then, I have gone on to create two projects. I have the Modern Day Rosies, uh, and then I have Women of 9-11, where I focus on those women that never got the highlight um, that they really should have during 9-11. And both of those projects have been very um, giving, you know, not only to them, but but back to me. Uh, as well. And they, it's really been surreal. And I've rounded out this year um, with the uh, initiation of my new book, which is called Modern Day Rosies, The Women Behind the Mask. And the book itself is going to be all of my women that I have painted over the last three years um, on the front lines of COVID, uh, not just healthcare workers, but uh, people who were um, impacted uh, by COVID and the thing of it is, when you think about it, really everyone was impacted, right? So I have funeral directors, I have um, uh, a mental health uh, therapist, I I have people that worked on a, a trucking industry or in the grocery store, along with respiratory therapists, doctors, EMS, um, CNAs, you you name it. I really did. I did teachers, stay at home moms, because we are we're actually all affected. And it, it really was this beautiful, enlightening journey. Uh, so now the book is going to be um, their stories brought to life in both picture and written form. One of the things I thought was great about the work that you've done, and, and this is all linked through your website, um, it, 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 you talked about kind of focusing on people that weren't so much on the front lines, but were very much part of the the operation. I think when we talk about frontline heroes, um, which is something that tends to be sort of a platitude as, you know, we, we all hear about how heroic we are for, you know, going to work. But as time went on throughout COVID, we we focused a lot on EMS and police and fire. And one of the things I liked about your series is there were there's CT techs in there. There's, um, you know, radiology technicians from flight nurses to CRNAs to EMTs. It, you you managed to kind of bring in the entire healthcare spectrum. 
which I think is not, I think is something that not a lot of projects did. So when you're, when going through the artwork, it's, it's impressive to see like, oh, right, there was, there are cafeteria workers. There are, you know, all these mm -hmm. people that are involved in the hospital system. And Environmental I, I, services. Yeah. You know, just talk about the unsung heroes of the whole thing. Like the people yeah. that clean the rooms. I mean, just amazing. And they and were doing that. They they were doing that before we really even knew how contagious or or how COVID um, was caught. You know, they were really like the canaries. They were put in there with with little to no PPE um, just to try to clean up as best as, as they could. You know, whereas we come in with all of this gear, all this, you know, even if it was makeshift PPE, it was something. You know, they didn't get that that benefit to start. So that was a really scary place to be for them. So we, we talked about what built out the book. Uh, talk to us a little bit how, I, I guess, how this has affected your your mental health journey over the past three years or so. Is this something that, because I, again, and we talked about this a couple of years ago, I feel like people are searching for some type of creative outlet that it can help them get through this this crisis that is still ongoing, even though we we kind of just all, we're all just sort of done with it. Um. Yeah, you know, and, and certainly Danny and I have developed a podcast to to help process everything that's that's been going on. But talk to us about your process and how this actually helped you get through the past three years. So for me, um, each and every painting was a way for me to not only give back, but to uh, give back to myself uh, in tenfold, and not not initially purposefully, but in making an impact that impacted me and the pieces of me that I felt were missing started to slowly kind of fall into place. Um, and I, I really felt fulfilled for the first time and probably all of my life with the exception of, of having my children. Um, this type of fulfillment isn't something that, that you can buy by, by any means. Uh, it, it has healed me in ways I didn't know that I needed to be healed. Um, and it has given me a purpose that I can't find in medicine. Uh, and I, I think that that is really, uh, I can't say enough good things ab about that. I, I couldn't have planned that if I tried. Let's talk a little bit about, about, more about purpose. Cause I think, you know, we're almost four years, three years plus into this, this whole COVID pandemic. And, you know, there's a lot of people that would have you say it's, it's done, it's over, it's past, we're moving on. Um, but it's not, and, and that's affecting people. And I, you can see that in, in, in many ways. So talk about that relationship for you and how that made that, that work out for you. So I didn't realize as I was doing this, that I actually created my own art therapy program. Um, I wasn't my intention. It was, art was something that I, um, was my, my go-to, as we talked about before, whenever I was feeling stressed or had that nervous energy. But by doing so, I allowed my brain to disconnect from the, the stresses of everyday life. And it slowly started to make things easier for me in my day-to-day -day life because I was changing my habits. I was changing my thoughts without realizing it. So actually what I've, I've started to do is make a real program for others so that um, and it's still very much in its infancy. I really wasn't going to uh, mention it today, but I'm working on it currently, uh, where uh, I take someone through the process of creating art. And I call it the control alt delete method, where you take uh, a hold of the control that we in healthcare um, 
feel that we have to have. We have to be perfect. We have to have those interventions that are at the right time for the right patient. Um, and, and we can never make any mistakes. And we, we let that go. Um, and in art, we don't have to be right. We don't have to have the perfect painting or the perfect creation. So I really kind of allow people to see the similarities in those things and feel the freedom of not having to be, um, not having to be perfect, not having to get those lines exactly straight. Um, and I really want to share with others how freeing it can be to, to not be right, to not be perfect. And then for the alt part portion of the, of the program, it's about changing your thinking, changing your mindset. You take in these negative thoughts of, oh, I should have done better. Oh, that's not good enough. Why am I so stupid? And you you recognize it and you acknowledge it. And then you delete them. You say, I'm not accepting those thoughts today. I'm only welcoming good intentions. And I am putting out into the world positive productivity and, and thoughts. And by really verbalizing the actual process that I went through in order to create these paintings, the very first few, I really think that that would allow others to see how you can do that with art. You don't have to be right. Bob Ross said all the time, happy little accidents. That is the entire purpose. So what I want to bring to other people, other, other people in healthcare is um, a program where we get together, we do some art. We don't really talk about work because there's no need to, uh, but you allow yourself and your your brain to have that respite and just enjoy the process. Enjoy mucking it up, making messes, you know, taking a, a, a razor blade to your canvas, cutting something out of it, stitching something back in if that's what calls to you. That's the entire purpose of creativity and allowing your brain to really focus on that aspect of your life instead of other things that are weighing you down is really the foundation to, to changing your life. I mean, changing your mindset will change all of, all of those behaviors. So that's where I'm at right now. Uh, and I, I'm so excited to, to share it because it, it helped me. It transformed me um, into a person that I, I have never been this happy um, with anything in, in my career until now. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to share that, to share this book. Um, I'm just, we're just going to keep going. It's really funny and, that you mentioned Bob Ross, because I've noticed that in our quarters, uh, that seems to be the TV show that is on very, very, <laughs> just a calming presence in the background. And, and I think you've hit something like I, I figured it, you know, it's funny though, when you see a shift change and, you know, you'll have four to five people in the room and we're all watching him make happy little trees and everybody just feels good. And we don't know why. And I think you hit the nail on the head. I just go just ending the shift, that. trying to feel something. <laughs> it, it gives you that respite because you don't have to think you just flow. You're in the flow and it allows you to disconnect. And that's what we need. We need something that is separate from our work life, even separate from our home life, to really get that well-balanced mental health. And that's that's the basis of, of all of my um, endeavors at this point. It all stems from mental health. Well, and something that's important to get across too when it talks about you know art or, or any type of creative activity, because we know that art is subjective, 
So I, I think that a lot of people, and I, I wonder if it's a function of, there's a lot of places where you can like go and drink wine and paint now, um, where it's like, everyone's kind of painting on the same template. And I think people go to museums and see, you know, historical pieces of art that they're accustomed to and like, Oh, look how well done this is. And I, I'm, I'm someone who's always like, you know, the abstract the Salvador Dali, the Jackson Pollock, all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff, where if you look at a Pollock painting, it, my interpretation is different than what yours might be. Yeah. And there's some people who will argue that Pollock doesn't paint at all. Um, and it's just throwing, you know, brush strokes against a canvas where to, to me, the example I've always kind of used when you're creating something is that it's sort of like, you, you know, have you seen the rage rooms that are out now where like yes. you, you just go to a room and just break shit with a baseball bat for, for an hour. It's, it's similar to that, although it's, it's much more internal where you can just make a piece of art just by throwing stuff at a literally throwing stuff at a canvas. And it might actually just, you know, it, it might show what you're feeling that particular time, whether it's anger, frustration, rage, sadness, happiness, whatever. And I, I think that that's something that's kind of missed by a lot of people. I, I think that we've kind of, um, we've sort of stigmatized art therapy um, as sort of this, you know, like going back to the early 2000s, like this frou-frou thing that is not something that's done, you know, by people who have experienced trauma. It's it's a whole different thing. So uh, talk to me about the evolution of that, at least, if, at least for you or how you feel that can help people culturally, whether it's in medicine or anywhere else. Art therapy um, really doesn't get enough support that it that it needs. There is so much that can um, be brought about by that. It, it literally changes your brainwaves, um, while you're creating art. Um, there's, I believe there's studies on it where they, they've watched EEGs, um, in creativity versus, um, a non-creative mode. And it's, it's amazing how different your brain responds to it. Um, I, I personally feel that art therapy, um, could help anyone, you know, because like you said, you can do anything and create art if that's something that's that means something to you. So say if, you know, I was working with someone and that's what they wanted to do that day, then that's what we're going to do because it has to do with how you feel while you're creating it and how you feel when you're done. And it doesn't matter that it's not a masterpiece. It's yours. And it, you've spent that time investing in yourself in that moment, that hour, you know, that, that you spend, it adds up and it adds up and it starts to change the way you think and change the way you feel. Our thoughts create our feelings. So by, by starting at the basics, we can actually evolve and create this, this beautiful life that we didn't know that we could have. It's all about perspective. And that's the thing with art too, is that it's not the pursuit of perfection so much as it is the pursuit of just creativity. Um, you know, one of the things, I, and I, like I'm, I'm a, a fairly big fan of music, and again, that's another kind of subjective interpretation where there's, you know, everyone's aware of like Lo-Fi Girl, right? Which it's just a, a streaming service on YouTube just for, for like helping studying, and it's really just five or six notes kind of in the background, just sort of blended mm -hmm. together. And there's, you can make the argument as to whether or not that's music, but you know, it's it's a very popular thing that, you know, tens of thousands of people are using. So whether or not you think it's art is not necessarily the important thing. It's more getting the the I don't want to say getting the product out there, but it's more the the process of making yes. the art. That's that's the important thing that I think people miss a lot. I I agree completely. Um, the number of people that say, oh, I can't do that. Yes, she can. Yes, she can. So tell us about the book. 
how did this how did it start what was the genesis of it i know it came from you know the paintings you did but what 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 brought you to the book and how did you get the stories and how did you decide to share them so i really i decided that i wanted to make this a coffee table book and initially what i was going to do was have it be a book that you just flip through pictures and then i decided that you know what in talking to some of these people their stories are are kind of interesting i'm not going to say that they're oh they're they're kind of important they're all important you know everyone's experience is important but i found myself talking to them and going i want to share that story and then i decided that i wanted to share more of them and it turned into this leap of faith where i said over christmas i'm going to create this book i found a publisher who loves my idea um, who's fully behind me. So, you know, we're we're in the process of of working with that. And I started interviewing uh, the women that are in this book. And then I recruited a few more because, you know, why why would I make it easy on myself for paintings I've already done? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so and and talking to them, oh my God, it, it was life changing. It really was. The the number of women that just that were so vulnerable and they just broke down and they cried as they were talking to me about their experiences. Um, and I, I truly felt honored to be in the, in their presence as we were talking because it's a very intimate experience and they are allowing me to share it and to share it with the world. This is going to be available worldwide. Uh, and, wow. and that's huge, you know? Um, and it's, it's turned into this, this beautiful project of love these women are amazing. I've actually included a couple men, believe it or not, even though the story is um, modern day Rosies. So my first, um, and I, I'm not sure about the others that I, I will include, but I, I, I'm likely to. I have a couple that are interested. But the first one is actually about the gentleman who handled the dogs that were there every single day, 156 days in a row during COVID. And his story is powerful. Our days were changed by being able to spend five minutes with those dogs. Therapy dogs should be commonplace in places like a hospital setting or any type of routine critical care where not only the providers, but the patients are dealing with heavy stuff on a regular basis. Just talking to him really showed me how impactful they were. I mean, I knew, but then in doing that interview, it really... Um, it, it really just sent shockwaves through me, just just how much they are really needed. So, of course, I had to include him. But then there's other. I, I do tend to be of the mind that we should just be able to pet dogs on shift. Just yeah. generally, just whether or not they're a therapy dog, just just bring me a dog. <laughs> I will pet all the dogs. I'm called. We always pet the dog. You oh, always, yeah. always pet the dog. You always pet the dog. <laughs> I, I'll go for the cats, too, if they allow me. But that doesn't always happen. Sometimes I get a, a cat, cats are a little different. They're a little, yeah. eh. the, the cats are skittish. They run away. The dogs are yeah. just happy to see you. They're just, they're <laughs> yeah. ready to party all the time. That makes my day whenever I get a chance to pet a dog on, on a scene. So oh. I, when, when you were talking to the the guy, like, I, I, are we splitting them into like modern day Rosie's and modern day Ricky's or is it just, are we? Just no, <laughs> no, they're just, they, it, it's all going to be part of the same book. Um, you know, they, they were special. So I added them in and I thought about it. This is my project. This is redefining Rosie's as it is. So 
why can't I include a, a man that has exemplified um, the rosy traits? You know, this is my project. I'll do what I want. <laughs> I can do whatever the hell I want. How's that sound? <laughs> <laughs> and and to be fair, you know, a number of people have asked me, well, what about men? And it was never excluding men. It's just that Rosie the Riveter was female because all the men were at war. I'm female and I identified with that. But this war is different. We too were at war. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't feel like I'm I'm in the trenches right now, but I did at that time. And um, originally I was going to do a whole separate series just for the men in an Uncle Sam tribute. But I never got a chance to do that because this took off. I know problems, terrible problems to have. Right. Yeah. But... Uh, I'm, I'm the victim of my own success. I mean, <laughs> yeah. if you're if you're looking for subjects, Danny and I will wear an Uncle Sam hat. <laughs> okay. and <we're... laughs> I, no, I will put on won't. a fake goatee in a no, heartbeat. I won't. I'm I'm so excited for that. <laughs> so were, was there what what do you think? And I, I hate to ask, like, what was the most inspiring story? Right. Because there every story has There's its so own many. its own thing. Right. Was there one that I guess. I guess I want to ask, was there one that affected you more than you thought it would? Or is there is there one particular story that is was kind of a, a groundswell or, or a shift for you that you didn't really anticipate? I, I think for me, what stuck out the most were, were my ICU people, my respiratory therapy, um, and obviously the, the gentleman with the dogs. And then May Cryer, who was the original Rosie the Riveter that started sewing masks for people um, for free because she was a Riveter before and she wanted to help people. I always thought that was really cool. She's a really special lady. She's 97. She's oh, wow. going to be talk, traveling. Talk to us about to... that for a bit because I I, <laughs> I, I saw the painting uh, on your website and she she's the original, right? She's Yeah. She is Rosie. She, she so... is a bona fide Rosie. She's not the Rosie from the painting, but right. you know, um, she's, she's, she's one, still, of them. one of them. Yeah. She was really special. She was um, over on the West coast, I believe working on uh, working for Boeing. Yeah. I forget that the name of the plane, it was a really big one. I know it sounds really intelligent. You know, right you, now. you know, you know that the, the one big Boeing plane, that they <laughs> the one that won oh. the war. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to ask her. Um, but she was she was working on on a Boeing airplane and there's a big picture of her with a with uh, a bunch of other people. They were um that was a five thousandth plane that was made, so they took a big picture with it. Uh she went up there with her girlfriend, I believe, uh when she was 17, uh, because she was looking for work. It sounded like a fun idea at the time. They didn't know what they were getting into. You know, and they were slowly taught uh, bits and pieces of the trade. Um, she wound up meeting a sailor while she was there, who she later married. Um, and they've been together. I think he passed, but um, they were together for their whole lives. She's got a bunch of kids and grandkids and great grandkids and very well loved. I mean, she's an amazing lady. She reminds me of my own grandmother. You know, like you don't mess with her. Mm-mm. No, she'll she'll, she'll tell you how it is. <laughs> grandma built planes during World War Two, so yeah, we yeah, we don't yeah. we don't step to grandma. <laughs> I love hearing old old like wartime employment stories. Oh, me where, too. Where it's just like, well, how did how did you start building planes? And they're like, yo, I showed up one day, and they're like, guess what? You're gonna build a plane. And that's that's exactly like, what she did. She goes, we we were just having fun. We didn't know what we were doing. And then... <laughs> Here's a wrench. You see yeah. that bolt? Yeah. Turn it. Go turn tight. it. 
and then the well, next one's going to come. It's, it's just it's interesting to me, you know, you know, well now I mean now we're we're 80 years on but you know, now like job titles are so micro specific where like you're going to do these four things. It's funny to me that people just like during a war effort, they should be like, can you do a thing? All right, go do yeah. it 150 times over there. And then when you're done, come back and let me know what else you can do. Well, apparently they had to start on one side of the plane before they were actually experienced enough. So they had to like brace the the metal while the other person was actually doing the riveting. There's a, a title for it, but I forget what she had said. Um, and she started out like being the the, the bracer. I love the idea that like, like the right side of the plane was built by the rookies. So you're going to want to go. <laughs> you're going to want to go sit on the left side over there. <laughs> so we're, we're, we are coming up on an out, but uh, I'm super excited to hear everything that you're working on. Um, when does the book come out? It will be out this fall. That is super exciting what's the title of it it's modern day rosies right modern day rosies the women behind the mask and we're, we're all excited to see it i'm i'm certainly excited for my copy to come out um so I, I know that the focus on this was was all art therapy mental health and that's become very important to you during this process leave us with if i'm someone who's kind of uh art therapy curious i guess would be the the expression um because certainly you've seen a lot of different avenues where people can pursue that. If I'm someone that's in, I'm like right there, but I'm not quite to the decision-making point yet. What's a way, I guess we can talk people into kind of being more accepting of art therapy and how to move into that. I think just an openness and a, and a willing to, to learn or to be a part of new things. Um, it's all about mindset. If you are open to receiving that and receiving those those essentially positive effects that that will come from it, then I think it it'd be great for anybody. But you have to be just like everything, ready for it. You know, if you're if you're closed off, then the experience is going to fall flat for you. And as Kate Bergen, the uh, artist and creator of Modern Day Rosies, back on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And guys, for the overrun, I'm Ed Bowder. I'm Dan Truster. And we will talk to you all next time. <laughs>